I'm Carol Klein, and I think the Gardener's World live show is the best you can go to. It's absolutely splendid. It's full of wonderful things for every sort of gardener, plants, products, the lot. It's just totally brilliant. I've been coming here for 12 years, and I've done the show myself, actually. It's improved over 12 years. Every year it gets better and better. And the other thing I'll ask you, this is part of the Wiggly Wigglers podcast, and we do a weekly fact on worms. Right. Can you give me a fact on worms? Worms are the most fantastic creatures you could have in your soil. They're just marvellous. They bring all that humus down into your soil and make it into such a wonderful place for plants to grow. They do. Thank you very much indeed. Cheers, Carl. Thanks. We're back on the Wiggly Sofa, Rich. Isn't it nice? It's very nice. So much more sophisticated than yeah. the last few weeks. Very comfy. Nice day at Wiggly Wigglers. Yeah. Jenny Steele's in the other room running a wildlife course. <laughs> <laughs> she is, yeah. So uh, there's some people that have got a nice day in store, I think, next Absolutely. Mm. So welcome, listener, to podcast 37. We're old hands at it now. Settle down yourself. Relax. It's time for the Wiggly Podcast. I'm Heather from Wiggly Wigglers and... I'm Richard from Wiggly Wigglers. And we're joined today on the Wiggly Sofa by Farmer Phil. Hello. And Andrew. Hello. From Monmouth School. And he's shadowing me today. Yeah. Everywhere I look, he's Lucky there. Andy. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he is, he's, uh, Andy's just come over from Monmouth School. You've got to do a week's practical work during the summer holidays, he said. Yeah, work experience. Work experience. So is this your first day of work experience? Yeah, this then? is my first day. Just finished my exams on Friday. Right, right. So yeah, GCSEs are over and done. done. How do you think you got on with them? Okay, bar maths, paper two. Right. <laughs> right, so if you're the examiner, could you please fix it for Andrew on maths, paper two? <laughs> do you think that'll work? <laughs> no. <laughs> so Andy, I mean, you've only been here, what time did you get here this morning? About eight o'clock, a oh, bit earlier. All right. Oh, right, excellent. No, earlier than me then. Uh, what kind of experiences have you had thus far? It's been quite balmy. Everyone's, <laughs> everyone's up for a laugh here. Yeah. Everyone seems to be quite into their work. It seems to be good fun. Yeah. yeah. Wouldn't mind working here later in life. Yeah, well, you, <laughs> you never know. Don't be you too hasty, know. dear. Yeah, no, that's right. Don't make decisions based on only being here for a couple of hours. <laughs> you may well change your mind by the end of the day. So you've seen Heather scooping up toast... Uh, Toast mess from the front lawns this morning. You've uh, you've spoken to Rach, haven't you? Yeah, spoken to Rach. What was Rach talking to you about? The computers. Yeah. Basically, about the printers and the how the computer system works. Yeah. Did she make herself fairly clear? Yeah, and she gave me the health and safety check. Oh, yeah. good. Yeah, yeah. yeah. fire extinguishing. Fantastic. Your parents are both vets, aren't they? Yes, unfortunately. Yeah, and uh, and I asked you earlier on whether you had any sort of inclinations to becoming a vet. Not at all. <laughs> So when you do your A-levels, what are they going to be in, do you think? It's aimed towards business, history, geography, maths and economics. So, so hopefully a degree in business. So, uh, yeah, that, that might well be useful to Wigglies then in a few years' Absolutely. time. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, I think your father comes over here, doesn't he, to uh, extract cars from cows and he whatnot does. with Phil. Yeah. Well, Bill was our first ever post-mortem on the car. Uh, so that's right. Andrew's dad. Right. I want to know, Andrew, have you learned anything so far today that you didn't know before? How to incorporate business around like environmentally friendly products. Oh, yeah, and I didn't even... Very articulate. Absolutely. Yeah. Okay, thank you, Andrew. Um, we've also got Alison coming in for Plant of the Week. We haven't had a Plant of the Week 
for weeks. So that'll be nice. Yeah, that'll be good. And I can't wait to tell you what it is. That's a good little plant as well, isn't it? It's very tasty. Mm. We've got some wiggly questions in, and so shall we go straight to those? Russell, Russell of the paper. (laughs) (laughs) This is from Sally Anthony, and she says... Hello there. A couple of weeks ago, I received my two Bokashi bins. I filled one already and I put it aside to ferment. Really exciting. Mm. I want to put it in my compost bin in two weeks' time, but I'm wondering, should I just plonk it in on top or do I need to mix it up with the contents already in there? I can't bury it in my garden because I already have lots of lovely veg filling my plot. That's the first part of the question. So would you like to answer that? Yeah, I mean, you can almost certainly just plonk it on the top, but it would be better if you did perhaps excavate it a little bit and push it inside, and then it'll just help to stimulate those, you know, the existing microbial flora and fauna inside the compost heap. So, yeah, you could just pop it on the top, but it'll, chances are it'll break down much faster if it's below the surface. Mm. And in my experience, if you do put it just below the surface, wow, it just disappears yeah. really quickly. Yeah, so yeah. I'd suggest that. And she says, I'm hoping I still have enough waste to give my worms now. I've got an original wormery from Original Organics, but I'm thinking of ordering a can of worms because I think it will be easier to use. Is that true? Yes. I think a can of worms is incredibly Is that because you work to, at Wiggly Wigglers, to, Richard? Well, yeah, possibly slightly biased. You know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, the can of worms, you know, the fact that there are trays to separate and it's relatively light and it's fairly small, it's as big as it needs to be, really, to accommodate the amount of waste you're going to put in there, it means that it does work extremely well and it is logistically quite easy to negotiate. Mm. So. I think the difference really is the fact that if you've got a solid bin one, like the waste juggler or the original wormery, it tends to stagnate. Whereas right. if you've got air going through, yeah. it seems to be more... Well, of course, it does need to be very aerobic. I mean, worms, yeah. you know, they have to be able to respire through their skin, so they need to have a reasonable amount of air passing through the wormery. And she says, Also, I want to tell you, I love the podcast, and I look forward to Mondays. Thanks for your help, Sally. Yeah, thanks for those comments. And the next question comes from Tara Bailey, and she says, Hello, can you suggest any plants that are drought-tolerant, please? Thanks, Tara. I bet you... She is in Thames water area. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Do you know what? They lose a third of their water through leaks, apparently. Thames. Plants? In, in, uh, no, you know, through... Uh, Thames you know, water. ...supply in households. Yeah, a third of all water before it gets to the household is lost. Mm, but never mind, they'll pay the shareholders yeah. plenty of money. But chances are, you know, that we are going to have uh, access to, to less and less water and it's going to become much more expensive. And obviously people are looking at, uh, like perhaps drought-resistant plants. Mm. And really, people should be looking at ways of irrigating their gardens using rainwater, collecting rainwater a lot more, so using water butts, and as many as physically possible. I was going to say to you, native plants are really resistant Absolutely. to most yeah. anything. Yeah. We know this because well, we, we, did, we, we, we found them. this. Well, we've just done our garden at the NEC, haven't we? And people say, oh, how have you got those plants like that in the garden? But the reality is, of course, most of those plants, there are, I mean, it's hugely diverse, isn't it, that meadow drift Mm. that we use for the shows? About 65 different species of grass and flower. Right. And, of course, they're all just on pallets, aren't they? Yeah. And it's, what, four or five inches thick, something like that? Yeah, maximum. Yeah, yeah. And the reality is that when they come back from the shows, they just kind of get stored in the back of the farm and completely ignored. (laughs) They do. And they do every year. You know, they come back and they're really robust and healthy. And obviously we do tend to look after them at the beginning of the year to make sure they're looking as good as they can Mm. for shows. But it gives you a a good indication of how robust and versatile they are. And uh, as you mentioned earlier on, species like maiden pink, for instance, which are a beautiful little plant. 
and apparently a species that have declined by 50% in the wild, but a species that you do tend to find a lot in people's gardens on rockeries and whatnot. They're lovely, aren't they? they sort are of gorgeous. silver leaf and a bright pink. Yeah. Um, little flower. And they flower for a and long they time. And spread. And they do spread, and you get like a lovely that. mat. And the species, like yeah, you mentioned, rock rose, and uh, sulfur sink foil is a, is a cracking little plant that'll grow on a limey soil as well. The species like sheep's bit scabious, again, they don't need much moisture, but they don't like lime. They would prefer to be in a slightly more acid soil. So there are yeah, various species that, that work extremely well in, under stressful conditions. Birdsfoot trefoil doesn't really need much moisture. Uh, wild thyme, that needs very, very little moisture. Again, lovely purple little tiny flowers. You can use it, of course, for cooking, various other applications. And it spreads beautifully. So a whole host of things. But I would certainly suggest be proactive rather than reactive. So rather than look for a species that doesn't need much water, also try and harvest your rainwater. And washing up water's fine, isn't it? Yeah. Uh, BBC Gardeners World are doing a study this year to see how their bath water works compared to the rainwater and the tap water that they're using to water the garden at Berryfields. Mm, won't it depend what bubble bath they use? Yeah, maybe, maybe. Mm. But I think most of those detergents, I mean, practically all those detergents that you kind of use to wash yourself degrade very, very quickly probably are relatively harmless. But I thought mine would be extra see. good because it's always lavender oil. Possibly, yeah. Moving on. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we've got Monty's Is that why weekly... that so sweet? <laughs> probably. <laughs> we've got Monty's weekly worm cast this week. Right. Do you want to... Give the game yeah, away. Yeah, give the game away. Well, we've got it. Well, this, this, in actual fact, this was Mary's idea. Mary, who's um, Michael's better half, who's sat behind us doing the recording for the show. I love this. When we did our recording for a podcast at NEC last week, Mary said, oh, wouldn't it be great if we had Monty to do Monty's weekly wormcast? Monty who? And then Mary went off on a mission to see if she could ambush Monty Don. Right. But of course, you know, he's completely inundated with all this filming and whatnot, so she didn't have the opportunity. So, one of the girls that was kindly helping us out of the show, uh, Lucinda, who's a student at Pershaw College, studying organic horticulture, I think, and she's really quite keen on Monty Don. <laughs> so I, I thought that'd be a great opportunity for Lucinda to have a sense of purpose to go off and meet him. So I gave her our little recorder, and off she went on a mission. <laughs> And just usually leaving, she said, is this going to be easy? I said, no. No. <laughs> I think so. so off she went, and, uh, and it, Monty, he was doing a talk at one of those celebrity stages, and he came out the back, and Lucinda pounced on him, and then got a, a weekly fact about worms. Fantastic. Mm. So we've got Monty's Wormcast with Monty Don this week. Yeah. Before all that, Farmer Phil's in. Well, I'm very pleased that Rach has been giving out this good health and safety advice that if it's on fire point a fire extinguisher at it this is excellent well done Rach I reckon good Hmm. (laughs) (laughs) so to put that into context which which fire has Rach been putting out well Rach has been giving Andrew the health and safety oh I see right I'm pleased about that excellent Andrew said if it's on fire Rach would know about all those kind of things (laughs) Um, so tell us about your week Phil well, we've got a number of things going on. We had a visit from the British Association of Seed Producers who had their annual open day round the farm, which was a good day and involved the farm and Wigglies. We had a farm walk and then Heather gave them a presentation after lunch and Rian did them a cracking lunch in the village hall. We planted our sunflowers and Patrick planted his sunflowers and his millet. Right. And then he planted his millet again. <laughs> <laughs> And we still don't know whether that actually has come to any result, but the sunflowers came up absolutely beautifully. They look great. Right. 
but we do have a slight problem in the Bugs Bunny Brigade seem to like sunflowers. Really? And I'm afraid that I have commissioned a couple of friends of mine to so have some ex-Bug Bunnies. Yeah, yeah. But um, apart from that, they look good. Yeah, we're pleased with that. We've had the right weather, have we, recently, do you think? for Well, they do like hot, dry conditions, and we didn't plant them before that cold, wet spell in May, and I think that was a good thing. So by the calendar, they were drilled a bit late, but in terms of condition, it's perfect, and they're growing like crazy now. Well, what should it stay like, the weather for good sunflowers? Oh, hot and sunny. Yeah. They're, interestingly, fairly drought-tolerant. Right. They don't mind because they've got a good root system on them, and they'll just go down. As long as there's water further down, they'll go and find it. Right. Another thing they tend to do is if it's not very wet, they won't grow very tall. It's a bit like a lot of flowers. If you put them under stress, they flower. Yeah. Whereas if you make life too easy for them, they don't. Right. And that's a little bit the case with sunflowers. Oh, that's interesting. So in actual fact, if you were growing sunflowers at home, it would be better not to water them so much, and then perhaps you wouldn't have to stake them, and they wouldn't snap off. Well, well, if you're Amy Parry, you want your sunflower to be the tallest in the village, I would think water is essential for that. The tallest sunflower in the village. Mm. Yeah. So, yeah, so just a question of getting the rabbit population under, under control. Heather's brother Billy's yard full of machinery is, I'm afraid, the source of the rabbit population. They like living under machines where it's dry and yeah. dusty and they're, they're so. as happy as Larry in there. Or, and yeah. uh, they've had a few sunflowers out of the corner of the field. But we'll um, slow them up, I think. Right. And recently, and certainly last year, I remember, watching people wandering through the fields... And they were doing something that you explained to me <laughs> at the time. What are you on about? What, are, what were they doing? What are they doing? I think Rich's interest probably extended to the fact that they were nice young female South African students wandering around the fields in front of his desk, and that alerted him. But anyway, what they were doing was... Are they, are they around this year as well? <laughs> uh, what they were doing is they, it's something that we call roguing, right. which is basically hand-picking weeds in terms of weed plant species but they're also hand-picking off types so it might be the same plant species but it's not true to type and the reason for that is that because all our crops are grown for seed we have to make sure that the whole crop is true to type and therefore passes its inspection and so they're looking for plants that are either the wrong variety within the right species or wild oats which are a weed or wheats in barley or barley in wheats and so forth. Right. So Dick and Jan do the uh, wild oats and wheats out of barley and barley out of wheats, but actual off-types within the crop is the responsibility of the seed merchant, which is where your students come from. Oh, wow. Yeah, fantastic. So the boves, they're all out in the fields now, aren't they? Yep, they're very happy. We've still, in this part of the country, got enough water so that the grass isn't burning yet, so that they're, they're very happy. The only hassle for them at this time of year are flies. Yeah. And it does start to get a bit flyy. And we fit the heifer calves, or the, the heifers that are going to be put to the bull, so they haven't got a calf on them, we fit them with fly tags oh, right. to try and reduce the problem of flies. And the reason for that is that flies carry diseases such as mastitis. Right. And summer mastitis, which is the disease they would get now, is serious enough to kill them. Oh, wow. So that it's quite important that we try to avoid that. But cows with calves suckling from them don't get it. Oh, that's interesting. Um, So that's about the only issue at the moment. Yeah. And so fly just, tags, what do they, they sort of discourage flies from going towards Well, they're, they're impregnated they with chemical. Where are they? In their they? ear. Right. And really the idea is that it's a slow release of chemical and because cows, when it's hot, tend to huddle together in a heap so that 
the one cow's tail brushes the other cow's head and so on. If you watch them, they'll stand head to tail so that they all get the benefit of each other. And that way, it gets the chemical spread around on them. And it won't necessarily kill the flies, but it'll deter them, and it just helps. Yeah, yeah. And so that's the idea of those. Yeah, but they really appreciate that. Do you use them every year, or is this the first? No, we use them every year, but only in the maiden heifers. I suppose we're talking about between 5 and 10% of the cattle have them in. So this year, I mean, what was the situation with calving this year? Were you pleased with the way that all turned out? You know, the we were on the got? whole, yes. Um, the, the calves are looking well. They're growing well. We were particularly pleased with penguin quarter, the Aberdeen Angus's first crop of calves. Right. We, yeah. Obviously, these are his first go, and they look some really nice calves, and we've given him more cows on the basis of his performance. So, <laughs> lucky old penguins. <laughs> That's right, yes. Yeah, so if any our lives could be like something like that. <laughs> so that that was good. Um, I'm afraid this year marked the demise of our pedigree South Devon bull. Right. It appeared that his fertility was not quite what we would have liked it to be, and he failed to get any of his cows in calf, which oh, was right. unfortunate. So is he? Um, uh, is he gone off to? Uh barbecues across the country he's gone off to barbecues across the country and i think that realistically his place will be taken by penguin right because i like the angus cross calves yeah we'll use penguin where we were using him and then we'll have the charolais cross calves being the rest of them he's he's quite an endearing cow as well isn't he he's a nice old boy old penguin Penguin, he is we were trying to move him the other day and it's all very well having tame bulls but when he doesn't want to go he won't no and he ran poor old monty over (laughs) and monty was absolutely distraught he said i hit him dad i punched him and he wouldn't stop and i said and i went and retrieved penguin from the neighbor's garden the what Palmer's does, uh, Garden, and he was Monty stood... What does Monty weigh? Sorry? What does Monty weigh? Five and a half stone. <laughs> what, does, what does Penguin Quarter weigh? Uh, five and a half hundred kilos. <laughs> oh, <heck. laughs> nothing like Nothing like keeping a going, close eye on your child. <laughs> going back to the health and safety. <laughs> <laughs> yes, perhaps I should have told him to point a fire extinguisher at <laughs> you. Yeah, absolutely. I met Daisy yesterday. Daisy. Daisy the cow. Yeah, Tell da- us about Daisy, Phil. Daisy is one of our this year's crop of maiden heifers, and right. she's an MRI, which is a Mers Rhine Issel, but she was hand-reared, so she's very tame. Oh, wow. And Charlie, who is Chris, who looks after them in the winter's other half, named her Daisy because she'll come to you in the yard and, well, most of the time she's very pleasant and the rest of the time she's a pain. Yeah. But, yes, Daisy, and she's with Penguin, so we'll have... Penguin cross daisies in a minute. <laughs> and will there be a Hereford bull arriving this year, Phil? I don't plan to, no, oh, I'm afraid. Right. <laughs> never mind. Oh, you never know. You never know. A bit right. more persuasion. Thank you, Farmer Phil. Moving on, we must get Alison for Plant of the Week. Hello. Been a long time, Al. It has. I've almost forgotten how to talk. <laughs> I, don't, I, don't I don't believe don't that. that I start much, at no. my desk thinking, what am I going to talk about? Yeah. <laughs> Tell us about Plant of the Week this Plan- week. Plant of the week is wild strawberry this week, as featured at the Gardener's World Live in Dave's garden. Yeah, because he could just reach over from his camp bed with his beer Mm. and just pick his wild strawberries. Yeah. But when he won the silver gilt medal, he moved to champagne. Right. Yeah, well, that's much better. (laughs) They do go together quite well, though. Strawberries and champagne, definitely. Better than strawberries and carling. Yeah. So the four of us are sat here, and the first thing we're going to do is eat one of 
Heather strawberries out of the garden. Yeah, they oh. do look nice, so don't they? Pick them We've up, so Andrew. There's one for you, Richard. No, thank you very much. I love the big one in the myself. middle. Excellent. That's nice and squidgy. And and so these are grown in the weekly garden by Heather. Uh, mm. Mm. What do you think, Anne? Mm. They're nice and sweet. Mm. They, are. they are nice, really sweet, the right size, very ripe. Not those huge, great big bulbous things you buy in Tesco's with mm. those five in a punnet, grown completely unnaturally under it. <laughs> <laughs> or even grown. shipped from Spain no, and causing food yeah. miles. Oh yeah, nightmare. No, these are great. I mean, actually, strawberries are very easy to grow in a garden, aren't they? There's yeah. a few little things you've got to be careful of, like slugs, for instance. But the right preparation and strawberries are a piece of cake to grow. And you get lots of them. The more you pick them, the more they come back. Mm. Is that right? Fruit and fruit. Mm. Mm. And so now, although you see the problem is now that... Maggie, dear Maggie, is out looking after our wildflowers, yeah. and she's actually um, e- <laughs> e- eaten eating all the nice <laughs> all the, wild, the strawberries. wild strawberries. So the specimens that we have yeah. are, are probably a tenth of the size. Yeah, a tenth. Um, I've got something about the and, size of a nipple. God, and so. And so we're each going to eat the little tiny wild strawberry and the thing to do is to take time over it and really taste it. Mm. So here we go. Mm. A bit sharp. Mm. Mm. Mine's bit sharp. lovely. Mm. Oh. It's sour. <laughs> yeah. Sorry, they, they I did pick the white ones. <laughs> These guys, they haven't really ripened there because Maggie's feasted on all the lovely ripe ones. Yeah, sometimes they're a lot bigger and juicier. Yeah. You did tell me to go and get some, but there wasn't any there. So so. When I was a kid, we used to walk through the woods and we used to pick wild strawberries and then take them home. You know, you get, they're very tiny, but we used to have loads and they're very, very sweet. And they mm-hmm. are really nice when they're ripe, beautiful. So they're not uh, quite ready. I mean, you Do know. you think the wig- wiggly tasting hasn't been completely fair? Yeah. I know yeah. it hasn't because they're delicious. But having said that, the, those, and, and those strawberries t- from the garden are beautiful anyway. And yeah. They will be really nice. And you can tell they're delicious because otherwise, why would Maggie have actually eaten mm. them all? Yeah. yeah. So tell us about the plant, Al. Well, it flowers between April and July. It has a little white flower with five petals, very dainty. And then the fruits, of course, and from now onwards. Quite easy to grow. From that plant, you can see there's runners coming out. and it's dangly I, bits. Yeah, the dangly bits. And um, what you can do is, while the plant is still in the pot, actually grow other plants from that plant by just putting those runners in a pot and hooking them down, and they will root up in another pot, yeah. but you mustn't chop them off. Just like a spider plant, then? Yeah. They're easy to grow, And they root up within a week, ten days, and you can grow extra plants from that. But if you put them in a the garden, they'll spread really well, then, won't they? They'll supply some good ground cover. Oh, yeah. Fantastic. You see them in woods and open grassland, yeah. old pastures. What sort of ground, what sort of soil do they need? Um, well-drained and full sun. But they'll be okay on impoverished soil, in a poor quality yeah, soil? Yeah, yeah. Well, they're grown in very old, poor soil, but if you, quite if naturally. You, if you grow these, if you put some in the garden and you feed them, will that help? To oh, yeah, they'll fruit more and more. If right. you feed them before fruiting, right. like with tomato fertiliser, it's great because it's high in potassium. Yeah. So it encourages the fruits to come. And you can put, even put those wild strawberries in, like, hanging baskets and things to hang outside by oh, your door nice. so that you can use them with pims and summer drinks and yeah, things like yeah. that or in a big pot but so worm, you just open your door and well, get your strawberries yeah. and feed them because that's high in potassium so, yeah, yeah, worm yeah. Tea. Worm, that's worm it tea. Worm yeah tea. Fantastic. perhaps we could trial that actually so a whole load of applications so not only are you growing a plant that looks good it's aesthetically pleasing it's something that spreads well you can propagate very easily but you get fruits off it as well yeah and what about animals would they you know animals and birds do they like 
Do they take Yeah, they love them. Birds and slugs yeah. love these. So that's yeah, something, like something to be aware of, I suppose. Yeah. 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 And they did look fantastic at the NEC garden as well, I've got to say. They were a really good contributing factor to the garden. So Excellent. And of course, you came over to the NECL, didn't you? And yeah, I had a great around. day. I've never been there before, but yeah. it was fab. There's yeah. so much going on, and you were really busy on the Wiggly stand. Yeah, it was a bit good. helpless, really. I perhaps I should have helped you, Rich. Well, why break the habit of a lifetime? <laughs> 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 Why would you have wild strawberries instead of normal ones then, Al? You know, the normal strawberries, they can be quite... Although yours in the garden are very sweet, some can just be completely tasteless what they grow these days. As some of the new varieties coming in, they're just grown for their shape, colour and texture, not for their flavour. So wild strawberries are, are much, much nicer. Andy, have you got any strawberries growing in your garden at home? We don't. We dug them up last year. Ah, uh, right. They're growing too fast and too wide. So something that you might need to keep an eye on, I suppose. Yeah. Put yeah. in a container or something so that you don't that take be... over the garden. I love the idea of hanging basket idea because mm. most hanging baskets to me are particularly ugly. <laughs> it can be, yeah. Yeah, you know those Definitely. ones in town centres. Oh, yeah, 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 full of those hideous annuals. Yeah, yeah. I really like the idea of a whole load of wild strawberries yeah, hanging in a baskets. Big, big large pots, I've got them outside my front door. Great. Brilliant. Lovely. Thank you, Al. Cheers, Thank Al. You. To celebrate winning our Silver Gilt Medal at Dave's Garden, we've done a few offers on wild strawberries for our e-new subscribers. And we thought we'd pass that on to our podcast listeners too so that they can take advantage of that if they so wish. Excellent. So, Al, how do our podcast listeners get the offers and what are the offers? The offers are for the wild strawberries. Um, it's either buy one, get one free, or buy three and get three free bog off off, yes (laughs) (laughs) and you need to put in the search area this code so603 for the first one and for the second offer so604 if you just type that in the search uh, that'll bring up the offer for your bargain strawberry plants fantastic and if you're listening to the podcast for the first time and you like the sound of the Wiggly podcast, Natural Gardening and Farming from Lower Blakemere, then you need to subscribe. And the easiest way of doing that is by going online to our website, www.wigglywigglers.co.uk. Go into the podcast section and subscribe via iTunes is the simple one. And here's Monty with the Weekly Wormcast podcast. The Wiggly Wormcast podcast by Monty. A weekly fact on worms. Hi, I'm Lucinda. I'm from Wiggly Wigglers, based in Herefordshire. Yeah, I know you and are. we wandered, we do a weekly podcast, and yeah, yeah. Heather, the lovely lady who runs it, her young son Monty, does a weekly worm fact on the podcast. Right. And we wondered if we could have a Monty Don Wiggly Worm fact. A Monty Don Wiggly Worm <laughs> fact. <laughs> them's creepy and them's crawly. Um, okay, uh, guess you could. What sort of um, anything about a worm? Thanks very much. Okay, we need to go. Uh, we could worm, but I just say worms are the best friend of God. That's brilliant. Right. Thank you very much. Thank you, Monty. Well, both Montys. Mm, excellent. So join us next week on the Wiggly Sofa, and from me, Heather, it's goodbye. And from Andrew, hope goodbye. You, hope you've enjoyed it, Andrew. I have very much. <laughs> So where are you going, Rich? I know you've got to uh, go. Yeah, I've got to go now. Well, I'm going to um, Raglan Castle to do a talk to uh, Perennial, who are a horticultural charity, as part of a series of events they have this year, uh, a talk from Wiggly Wigglers on natural gardening. Wonderful. Bye. 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 Bye.
And it's from Alison, goodbye. Excellent. It's not often you have the opportunity to say goodbye, is it? No. You usually just tell me to clear off. You usually just go, yeah, <laughs> right. go and crack on with some work. <laughs>